If you're finding that you're feeling stressed, have no outlet to share your emotions and thoughts and put things down on paper, then you may want your very own self-love journal. It's customizable and personalized so you can choose your front cover, whichever resonates most with your body. This self-love journal is a safe space to document all of your experiences, reflect on your thoughts and be in touch with your emotions. It's been crafted to uplift, inspire and empower women. Your self-love journal will help you achieve all of your small and lifelong goals and most importantly, help you fall in love with yourself. You can pick either the three or six month journal, pop your name on the front, make it personalized to you and it'll walk you through bi-weekly phases where you can plan your goals, manifest, write down your worries and work out how you want to combat them and overcome them, teach you all about affirmations and how they can positively impact your mental health and your mindset and also a weekly spread where you can knuckle down on those to-dos and achieve your goals. Just head over to www.selflovejournal.co.uk to shop. Hello everyone and welcome back to It's Your Life and This Is Mine. So this is the second episode of the Grief Diaries, a series that is designed to help those struggling with grief in different circumstances and to make people feel less alone in their struggles. So today I'm really excited to have Becky on and she's going to be sharing her story. How have you been? I've been wonderful, thank you. I have, as we were talking about before, I've been to Wales for the weekend, so it was so lovely to get away from the city. Um it's yeah very busy and noisy here so it was lovely to just be in the middle of nowhere surrounded by absolutely no people loved it (laughs) oh amazing that sounds incredible I feel like I need that in my life right now just a bit of relaxation and and getting away from and I mean you said you didn't have phone phone signal which was quite nice no hardly any phone signal (laughs) no it's fabulous it's it's great they don't really love technology up there so yeah just surrounded by lots of horses and sheep and good food and good drink and good company and it was yeah it was wonderful <laughs> yeah that sounds like a dream week <laughs> Very yeah that's amazing <laughs> um so before we get into chatting with Becky I thought I would share my grief quote of the week which is when we lose someone we love we must learn not to live without them but to live with the love they left behind um and this is an anonymous quote and I just really I found this and I really liked it I just thought it was like a nice sweet way to Um, look at loss and I don't know I just find quotes really helpful for me sometimes when I'm feeling a bit low so I thought I would share that with you in case it helps anyone else do you want to go into your story and share whatever you want to or whatever you feel comfortable with yeah of course that is such a lovely quote I um I actually remember I had a friend at university who who told me such a lovely quote and still to this day I just can't find it and I, I'm not really in contact with her anymore, but I'd, lo- I'd love to like find it and, and, and try and have it again because I always want to send it to people when they've lost someone, but I absolutely just can't remember it. But I did have my own one, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure, share um, it. it. I mean, it links to some of the stuff um, we'll probably talk about further down, but um, mm-hmm. it was the only people who think there's a time limit for grief have never lost a piece of their heart. Take all the time you need. Um so that was just I, my little one. I really I like. I really like that a lot. But yeah, I, I, I guess I'll go into my little story. Um, so it's now been almost ten years since my dad passed away. Um, I was still quite young. I was in my final year of university when my dad passed away, which was ten years ago. And I got a phone call one day and it was just basically, you need to come to the hospital now. 
um, he's not going to last much longer. I didn't know he'd gone back into the hospital. Um, a, a couple of years previously, he'd had a liver transplant, which didn't take. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was then bumped to the top of the transplant list in the UK um, for a liver transplant. Uh, and he was put into a um, induced coma. So they put into him to into the induced coma for, I think it was about a month, but I'm not sure. I, I think because it's been so long now, it's been like 12 years since that, I can't really remember. And I sometimes think it was a lot longer than it was. I remember it being over Christmas, but not much other than that, dates-wise. So then he had the second liver transplant, and that actually gave him a couple more years. But he was still really poorly. And I think when you are that poorly and you've also got a lot of mental health problems as well, you just tend to give up. And I think that that is really what happened with my dad. Um, so I got the phone call. I was at university I in Nottingham, and my dad was at the Royal Free Hospital in London, uh, who specialise in, like, livers and things. Um, and I got myself down there on the train, and I just remember... Be, I, it didn't feel real I, I I don't I don't think I felt I, I was like he's not gonna die like you don't you don't think that that could ever be a possibility um so I got there like what's going on like um he didn't tell me he was back in hospital nobody told me um I think he just didn't want to worry me but unfortunately by the time I got there he had gone into almost complete organ failure and he was no longer awake so um, I didn't get to say goodbye to him properly. Um, they then said to me that at the moment he's being kept alive by a machine that's breathing for him. And at this time, there's really nothing else they can do. He was in intensive care. Um, as his only family member, I then had to make the decision of whether or not to switch off the machine, which was a big thing being so young. Um, I can't remember how old I was. I'm 34 now. It was 10 years ago, so 24. Um, And, yeah, I remember just having to say, yeah, okay, let's turn off the machine. And I still didn't feel like it was real. I still didn't think that he was going to die. Like, you just... it's You just can't fathom it. Like, it's your dad. He was my best friend. Like, you just don't... You don't think it's going to happen to you. It doesn't feel... It feels like something out of a film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then they turned off the machine and unfortunately it took about three days for him to, to pass away. So we stayed in the room. Um, I slept on a chair quite a lot, which is something that I thought was mm-hmm. really unfortunate and something I do hope is a bit better now because I do think that having loved ones sitting waiting for somebody to pass away and you don't have anywhere to sleep you don't have access to food or um coffee or anything because you could go down to the cafeteria but then you might miss them passing away so you just it was really really awful and I I remember um you know finally at the point where he took his last breath just I just held on to him and I didn't want to leave the room I just was like beside myself I did not want to go and I remember just being sort of dragged into the hallway and just finally just completely collapsing on the floor I think from probably being absolutely exhausted and obviously 
you know, he was, he was gone. So, oh, I didn't think I'd get wobbly, but I am. I'm all right. <laughs> oh no, don't worry. I'm already, I'm already crying. I'm already crying, guys. I knew it was going to happen. So a bit of coffee, coffee, coffee will sort it out. It'll be Aww. fine. That was it. And then it was just kind of the fallout from there. Not the best. No, definitely don't want that again. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I think that must be so hard. Like even being there, I mean, you, imagine all these different scenarios even though you know it's going to happen you don't really I I can't really explain what I'm trying to say you can't believe especially though like the last breath moment like I can't imagine being that there like with my dad at that point like I really like can feel it in my chest like my chest feels tight like listening to your story like I can't believe that people have to go through that like it's so so sad yeah it's until it happens you don't realize how I don't know like I've had I don't want to say too much because I don't want to interrupt your other questions later but yeah just really really heartbreaking I think is the only way to explain it and describe it and Mm -hmm. you know the journey back afterwards um on the train still I still remember every single bit of it and I think I always will just I'll always hold on to all of it I think the last girl that came on she was speaking about how it like takes you back to being a child when something like that happens and you feel like all these like weird emotions and you feel like a bit lost and yeah like you need some you're looking for somewhere to support you or something I don't know like you go back to like your childhood tendencies and I thought that was a really interesting point because I definitely felt that because you can't really prepare for grief at all because my grief has been completely different from person to person that I've lost yeah so yeah I think you feel really like yeah vulnerable and childlike absolutely you need a more adultier adult than yourself yeah Yeah. (laughs) just to just to hold your hand and tell you it's gonna be okay because especially especially if it's the first time you've experienced grief like that you you don't you don't know how to react or or what to do or you just like ah like it's just complete and total panic (laughs) How was this your first time experiencing grief? Of this magnitude, yes. My granddad died when I was a child. Um, But I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on. We were on holiday. We were away on holiday when he died. Um, And my mum didn't tell me until we got home. And we didn't, I didn't go to his funeral because none of the children went to the funeral in the family. And they lived really far away from us. So we didn't see them that often, like my grandparents. We saw them a couple of times a year, maybe. And mm-hmm. I do remember this guilt that I didn't feel as sad as I thought I should feel. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's your granddad. And I think when you're at school, you, you know, when you're little, you hear about, oh, you know, someone's granddad's passed away and they tell you and sit you down. And, and I remember other children being really devastated that their their grandparents passed away and I didn't feel that way and I mm-hmm. felt like oh is there something wrong with me because I don't feel that sad but mm-hmm. thinking back to it now it's it's difficult to feel that sad when you don't really know them that well like mm-hmm. they are your grandparents but they live three hours away and you never see them so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no 100% because I felt I felt guilt 
in that sense as well and like yeah. when my grand when my grandma passed away I was 15 I think and yeah. I also had that guilt of like oh I didn't spend enough time with her or when I did spend time with her I feel oh. like I wasn't engaged in conversation as much as I wanted to like especially now I'm older I'm like oh I wish I knew more about my grandma yeah. and I asked her questions but obviously oh my it, I can't feel that guilt because I was a child and like, I had like a, a smaller mentality than I do now. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Like you develop as an adult. So I can't like, I do still sometimes feel guilty about it. And I'm like, no, I can't feel guilty because I had a completely different brain than I do now. <laughs> yeah, totally. And when you're, when you're that age, you know, you're not, you're not as interested in family as you are. I know that sounds terrible, but you're not, you want to, you oh, want to go out with your friends. You want to do your own thing. You're, you're too cool for family, you know, like all stuff like that. And, yeah. So true. And actually now looking back on it as a 34 year old, I'm like, me and my uh, fiance are always like, oh, we don't have any friends. We just see family. We spend <laughs> all of our time with family. Like I've got, we've got close friends, but not yeah, Now it's just all about family and we love spending time with them so I think yeah you definitely can't feel guilty about how you felt as a 15 year old we're all horrible teenagers I'm sure (laughs) I know yeah Yeah, for sure for sure I think as well because I compared it because I lost my granddad on boxing day like the recent boxing day yeah and that really hit me because he was sort of like like my dad he was also another father figure in my life so I, I it really hit me and being um an adult now I think I yeah I I've had more time with him obviously than my previous grandparent yeah. that passed away so I think I've like built on the years and that probably made it more devastating and then I felt guilty that I felt more sadness towards my granddad than my grandma I think it's just like a whole ball of emotions isn't it when you're going through grief and oh. you don't really expect all these different like emotions to hit you when they do yeah absolutely yeah I definitely definitely think guilt is a huge huge part of it unfortunately um, and you've got to really try not to beat yourself up of what if I'd have done this? What if I'd have, you know, I still do it now. I do it now all the time with my dad. I think about what could have been. And, you know, if I hadn't have gone to uni- I went to university a little bit later because he was poorly, because I thought he was OK. And I, I, I still do it now. I, I, I'm like, oh, if he was alive now, I've you know, I've, I've got a job. I could have I could have moved him up here to Nottingham, got him a little flat. Um, but it's all, it should or would have, could it, yeah. you know? You can't go back in time and change things. And you certainly can't beat yourself up and hold on to all of those things because they'll destroy you. Yeah. Some, of, some of the things we hold on to would destroy you. Yeah. you you got to pick your battles with things like that. Yeah, for sure. What do you have, do you remember like the overwhelming feeling when on the day that this happened to you? Do you remember, like, was it pure? Because I know some people feel, like, anger straight away or sadness or, like, confusion. Like, you can't really believe it that uh, it's happening. Yeah. I mean, do you know what? The biggest thing, I think, throughout all of the grief on the day and then probably the days afterwards, there were intrusive thoughts, panic attacks, um, what I now, now know was um and still is PTSD I still have some really awful dreams sometimes um especially if I drink alcohol um so I tend to try and avoid drinking too much alcohol or um or if you know if I'm with certain people now who aren't probably necessarily great for me to spend time with that can bring on a lot of you know 
thoughts about that anything negative I try and just stay positive about things but one thing I definitely remember on the day um was I found he had all of his things and they gave me his things um and inside I found a notebook and I opened it and there was a page and it said reasons not to live and at the, the top thing was um Becky doesn't need me anymore and that was the that was the top of the list and it's still I when I, I was writing notes and I wrote that in a note and it, it made me cry still to this day and it's the only thing that does about about my dad um and mm-hmm. that's the, you know the guilt I was talking about yeah. and I always try to remember that he wasn't very well he'd had enough he'd given up and that they were rambles of a man with a lot of physical and emotional pain. And that's definitely a piece of advice I would give, is if you are going through their things, don't read things. Don't open notebooks and diaries and personal things like that and look through them because you maybe think you're going to find something lovely or whatever, but you're you're not. You, You probably won't you might find something that breaks your heart mm-hmm. and that will stay with you forever and will make you feel guilty forever. Um, so I regret mm-hmm. that. And that that was definitely, I think, that was the biggest pain I felt on the day was that I'd read that. I think if I hadn't have read that, I wouldn't have felt as bad. Well, I don't know. But that really hurt me because I felt... Yeah. First of all, I felt, I was like, well, he's 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 died he's passed away I feel awful I feel sick I, I don't know what I'm gonna do but now I feel like I have I'm personally responsible which made it worse a lot worse that was yeah mm-hmm. that was terrible so that's definitely something I would say if you find things like that yeah. keep them and if you want to read them at some point do but maybe get someone to look through them first because I wish I'd done that yeah, that would have been a good idea, like someone who's a bit more out of the equation and not so connected to yeah. the person and they can sort of be like, oh, yeah, this is safe to read or, you know, that's a yeah. good idea. Um, so what Definitely. would you say you did to, like, help your grieving process? I mean, obviously, I bet it was a lot of devastation to start with and before yeah. you maybe looked for help, I don't know, or were you quite quick to look for help? I'm not sure. Yeah, so my grieving process, first of all, was probably quite unique in the experience of a younger person, um, probably not for someone that's a bit older, but throwing myself into funeral arrangements. I was the only member of family, so that fell to me, which was terrifying <laughs> for for being so young. I, I was at university, I should have been going out and enjoying myself and, you know, all that stuff. So it, it was definitely unique. Um, and it's something for definitely a few weeks is all you can think about. Arranging a funeral is a lot of work. It's stressful and it's also very expensive. So trying to find the money to do all of that. I know it sounds really crass talking about money when someone's just died, but when you're a student and you don't really have any money, (laughs) trying to find money for all of that was really difficult. And it's definitely something that it did kind of help because I had a task. I had something I had to do and I needed to do it and Mm -hmm. I couldn't be sitting around moping. I had to just do this task. So I had people around helping me. I was constantly surrounded by people. Um, And 
you're definitely and never alone you're never alone with your thoughts in those first few weeks I find if you're very heavily involved with the funeral stuff and you've got lots of family friends around you sort of all coming together to help and all of that stuff you you definitely I don't think I didn't personally didn't find the time to grieve because I was never really alone and I think you need to be alone with your thoughts to kind of get to that point um so I think but once every once the funeral was over and everybody had kind of moved on I think after that my grieving process was unfortunately arguments with my mum uh just being a total horror it was it was horrible I was bitter I was overwhelmed with sadness I was blaming myself I was blaming other people um and then it turned into drinking going out binge drinking with friends we were going out Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday like we we were going out all the time and um that is never the answer it isn't absolutely not the answer it leaves you feeling a hell of a lot worse and um, it doesn't fix anything, you know? And it, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just not the answer. So, I mean, after that period of time, um, I then went back to uni, absolutely poured myself into my work, which was definitely a, a healthier out there. And it ended up with me doing very well at university because of it. And I don't think I would have done as well, to be honest, if my dad hadn't passed away, um, which is terrible to say but it's true I was more focused than ever because I needed to distract my brain um I'm a very anxious person and if I am left to think things through too much I am a mess no I feel that I'm a super anxious person as well to be honest so I think I have to try and get on with something as soon as possible if it's if it's stressing me out yeah if it's stressing my mind out I need to do something to help it or distract (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and then after that I really got into exercise which I really wish I was still really into exercise Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah got massively into it and uh, that's where I met my fiance and I think I think everybody's grieving process looks different and I don't think mine was set in stone or anything I think it was all over the place but I think um I do think you have to let yourself grieve however you want to and know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it might look messy to start with and it might you might not always make the best decisions and that's okay but I think ultimately you do need to try and find a way a healthy way to come out the other side because moping and wallowing in it is not going to help you you've no. you've got to work through it but. so did you at all reach out to anyone whilst you're at uni because I know there's sometimes they have like student well-being centers at places or people you can go to speak to or did you prefer to just go down your own route and you know you could make yourself feel better so at university my tutor was actually really really helpful and he was always happy for me to talk to him whenever he was really really great he was kind of like my office is always open and for my degree I actually I did um, I studied fashion communication and promotion so a lot of that was giving presentations and I went from 
being a very confident person to just a shell of a human being that really struggled with Mm -hmm. giving presentations. So I'd picked a degree where it was ultimately a degree in how to do presentations and I couldn't do it anymore. So he was fantastic. He let me just do them to him and they were very supportive. It was, I went to Nottingham Trent University and yeah, I I would 100% say they were very supportive. Although I didn't know much about anything to help in terms of, of like student support and things like that. Um, you know, it could be because it was 10 years ago and there wasn't much of that then. I think there probably is a lot now. Um, but God, saying it was 10 years ago, it doesn't feel like 10 years ago. It doesn't. It feels like about two years ago. Um, but I, I honestly don't think that there was that much support then. I really hope there is now. I might actually look after this to see if there is. Um, but no, in terms of getting help, I went to see a doctor. So I went to see my GP and I um, was put on antidepressants, which really helped. And at the time I was on them, there was definitely a stigma around taking them. I had a few friends say to me, why are you on antidepressants? You're just sad. But it's a lot more than that. And therapy. I went to therapy. I went to therapy with my dad before he passed away because um, he was actually an alcoholic. And he went to his Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and he also went to therapy and his therapist asked for me to join too because um, she thought it would be helpful. And it it was. It was for our relationship. And, um, and I continued with therapy after he passed away. And I do think it's so, so important. I think everybody should have therapy. I think absolutely everybody should because we look after our physical health um, but what are we doing to serve our mental health? I just think that to be able to talk to somebody and talk through everything is so, so important because we're not equipped to deal with this grief. We don't know what we're doing, um, but there are professionals out there that do know what they're doing and do know how to to help. And it's, it, you know, you can try and get advice from people who've dealt with it before, but ultimately they're not a professional. So I do think go to your GP and try and get some help. And I will say, working in that kind of sector, um, you might struggle to get anyone to listen to you, especially at the moment, especially since COVID. Um, and a lot of GPs will just whack you straight on medication as a quick fix. Persevere. And don't take no for an answer. Do not take no for an answer. Just be annoying. Make yourself irritating. And um, hopefully you'll get the help you need. I I hate saying that because you should just get the help you need. But unfortunately, you do have to kind of fight for it nowadays. But definitely seek help. Professional help. Mm -hmm. So do you think that is what helped you start overcoming the like pain you were feeling like reaching out to someone and speaking through things do you think that was like the first step where you thought that you were making a bit of progress with like dealing with everything definitely yeah that and um the antidepressants I needed them I absolutely needed them and to at first I was a bit ashamed that I was taking them um I thought that I just I didn't think it was normal to take antidepressants I thought that 
they weren't for people like me, they were for other people. Other people took antidepressants, not me. Um, but I really, really needed them at the time. And I would, I would say if, if you think they make you feel better, then 100% take them. And do you know what? You might get put on some strips, like first of all, that don't, that aren't right for you. So change them up, ask to, ask to try something different. You've got to find what, because I think the first ones I took made me feel just a bit like a zombie, like I felt better, but I never felt happy either. I just felt like a baseline of emotionless norm, yeah which Almost. wasn't for me so you've got to you've got to work with it and try and see work with a gp and see what suits you best i would say definitely but definitely get some help don't try and deal with it all on your own um because you're not a superhero unfortunately i know we all like to be you know boss babe yeah. movement and all <laughs> that but we can't you can't. You can't do it all on your own. It's it's a nightmare situation, and you've you've got to do whatever it takes to, to get through it, and definitely ask for help. Ask for yeah. help. I 100%. also think that you, well, all of us, we don't want to like put emotional pressure on our partners or other family members. So speaking to someone completely out of the equation is probably the best thing to do if you are feeling also that guilty, even though they probably do want to support you and listen to you. But sometimes it's just nice to have some fresh ears that don't know anything about you and you can just chat, chat, chat about everything that you're feeling and then they can professionally help you rather than feeling like you're burdening someone, which you aren't, but it is just nice to go down a different route rather than speaking to someone you know yeah 100 percent. and unfortunately some people will make you feel like you are burdening them yeah 100 percent. did you they will did you have any have you like cut people off that you thought were going to be there for you at the time yeah yeah I know uh, you you mentioned that as well um yeah 100 percent. there were there were my uh my best friend Jessica she was amazing the entire time she was always there for me she would if I needed her she would come straight around to my house that's just the type of person she is though she'll always be like that she's she's wonderful um but I know there were a lot of her closer friends um mainly blokes um who would who would say things like oh um oh she's too much she's putting on you um you know they they would they they would really talk badly about me um and do you know what I understand that completely absolutely understand that um I was not nice to be around I was difficult yeah I just wasn't a nice person um I I was an absolute nightmare (laughs) to be perfectly honest but um there was also as well at uh, university obviously I was going out a lot you know looking probably looking like I was having a great time on um you know Facebook and stuff when when we used to post all our photos on there um but I wasn't, I was hurting a lot, but there'd be people from university, especially sort of the girls of my course, like complaining that I hadn't come back yet and that, oh, why isn't she over it yet? And it had only been like a month. Um, and it's almost like you're not allowed to go out and do things. You're supposed to just sit at home and cry. But I didn't want to do that. And I don't think anyone should have to do that. You do whatever you want. You do whatever makes you feel better. When you're grieving like that, you don't want to be on your own. You you need to be out doing things, but yeah, there was certainly that, and I still remember them. And I they we we were doing a group project, 
And it was ultimately because I was the person that always did all of the work, yep. which I did in the end. <laughs> and I ended up with a better grade than them, which showed. Um, but it was also my mum as well. I fell out with my mum, which was a shame. My mum and dad weren't together anymore. And I think looking back on it now, I understand that, you know, it was a stressful time for her too. Mm-hmm. And although they hadn't seen each other in a really, really long time, um, it was difficult for her as well. And I think a lot of the time she just ended up saying the wrong thing. Um, I do remember one day she said, oh, well, everything's just going wrong for me at the moment. And um, I think your dad is haunting me. And I remember leaving the house and like slamming the door behind me and just being like, how can you be so selfish? But I think it was just the ramblings of a mother who didn't know what to do and didn't know what to say and probably couldn't say anything right. Probably everything she said was wrong to me. Um, So, yeah. But I I had a lot of people that were there for me, a few people that weren't. And I think the biggest one is where, I think I was saying before, you're so surrounded by lots of people during funerals and things and um, when you're trying to sort stuff like probate out, which is awful, as if they don't have a will, um, all of that stuff, it's it's really hard work. And if you've got people helping you with that, then you are around people all the time. And then when they're just not there anymore, which is fine, because they've got their own lives to get on, it's that lull, it's that moment when you're completely alone and you're like, what do mm-hmm. I do now? Yeah, I feel like you truly figure out who your are the real people in your life. And I do think you have to I think when you come out of it you realize that your expectations are probably like way higher than they should be right like I think Mm. some people I'm like why aren't you asking me how I am every second of the day (laughs) do you know what I mean I'm like yeah you just expect people (laughs) to like shower you in like love and affection and support when obviously that can't be someone's complete whole life um totally but yeah I definitely feel like I always say you we always um, we're the main character in our own story, aren't we? So mm-hmm. we always think that everyone's thinking about us. <laughs> they're not. They're thinking about themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're the main character <laughs> in their own story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think after you come out of that grieving process, or like the main bulk of it anyway, you realise that a lot of like your emotions are very like irrational. Yeah. Um, e.g. that or I mean I was angry because everyone was having a nice Christmas and I was literally having the Aww. worst time like just things like that um you're like why does everyone care about their presence my granddad's dying like do you oh, know what I mean it's, it's so awful oh, bless it's you. like all of all of those like strong emotions and now I'm like obviously everyone could have a good time because everyone's allowed to have a nice time even if you're not you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was it was a tough tough old time I think Christmas was a difficult Oh no. A difficult one. I think Ooh. I have completely different people in my life than I had back then, so I don't even think I it it just shows, doesn't it, how after such a long time you don't even care anymore. Like I don't even remember who was in my life that maybe didn't pay me the attention that I probably needed. I don't even remember them. They're not even important in, anymore. All the only people I remember now are the people that were there. It's so strange. I can't even think of the people I don't even know, know who would they they would be. I know that there were people that weren't there. I don't remember their names. See, it's, it's so funny. After a long, long time, you don't care anymore because all you'll remember are the people that are there. I also think I maybe am too harsh on the people who weren't there that haven't lost anyone. 
because sometimes I think people don't know what to say or what to do or because they've never experienced it they don't really know how to react so maybe I'm too harsh thinking they should have been there when they don't really know the right protocol or like what what was the right or wrong thing to say oh absolutely 100 percent. it it must mm-hmm. be it must be quite not awkward but yeah like what do you say how can you make it better because I think even having been through it even now um I had someone recently that I work with um her dad passed away and I just I really wanted to be able to say all of the right things but ultimately there's nothing that you can say to someone that makes that better they want they want that person back that's what they want but you can't do that so you can try and be as helpful as possible and say oh you know um the one thing I always say you know oh there's no magic solution but time is such a good healer and I know that sounds really cliche but it is it's ultimately I think keeping busy and time there's there's no other way of just getting over it and I don't think there's anything that anyone can say to make you feel better I think just listening if if some if you can just listen to somebody give them a hug just answer the phone you don't need to do a lot just one text in the morning like how how are you doing today it doesn't have to be earth shattering things just it's little things just so that you know that they're still there i think always someone said in a previous episode as well that one of their friends came round and cooked them dinner one night because they were just like wallowing and stuff and like even oh, yeah. like a little gesture like that like where you're doing something to help someone's day a little bit get um make someone's day a little bit easier you know like doing a chore for them or making them dinner some something small like that can really lift someone's spirits and absolutely keep them going when they're going for a rough time yeah 100% and I think um I've I've, I've touched upon it a few times but a lot of people are there at the very start and I think it's it's that's great but you've you're you're generally overwhelmed at the start with the amount of people coming around to help you do things or whatever so to be there little and often in the long run I think is is better than being there loads at the very very start because it's a long long time it doesn't just you don't just have a month of being sad and then you feel better it's years it's years and years of having to get over such a huge thing that's happened to you and it takes a long time um but yeah my my best friend Jess was amazing she'll always be amazing and she is the one person that at his funeral was already cracking jokes about him so <laughs> she was like too soon Aww. but Aww, they were that. they were close too <laughs> um so you know they always had their funny little in jokes and she she she's that good a friend and she was so close with him as well that it was fine for her to crack jokes almost immediately <laughs> so and it i think yeah i think that's sometimes what you need i think sometimes you know a lot of, some people can't deal with things like that but i think that's our nature is we joke about things and um you you know you either laugh laugh or cry so you may as well laugh <laughs> it's yeah definitely a nicer emotion yeah, so true. um yeah and he <laughs> he sure. was he was awful with his jokes so 
we were like dad you can't say that um, is there anything you do now that you still like say or do in your like life that sort of makes you feel in touch with oh yeah 100% I I talk to my dad quite a lot and I only do it when I'm on my own but I've recently realized that I can hear my neighbor talking to herself as well so she must think I'm mad but that's fine um but yeah also it will be it will be the little things in life and I think this is this is the the lovely point at which you do get to a point where you because I I talk about my dad every day like I'm a nightmare for it and I can I can hit feel people getting bored with me but I do not care like if you want to talk about them all day you talk about them all day you keep their memory alive because you know they're rooting for you to do that they're like come on talk about me a bit more you've got to you've got to keep them alive in your your own story and stuff and yeah definitely there's there's loads of things there's like I'll um I'll be watching a film and I'll think of him like he used to love the Indiana Jones films we used to watch those when I was a kid and like on a Saturday we would go um do you I don't you might be too young to remember this because I'm a bit older than you but you used to get Heinz tomato soup in massive cans they were enough to feed like a family of four but uh my, my dad was a big fat bugger and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I eat a lot as well um and yeah between the two of us we'd get through one of these big tins and then we'd have um ham and coleslaw sandwiches but from monkey from um indiana jones we would say oh we're having monkey brain soup and i still call it that now which is ridiculous but it's things like that and it's stuff like we've got a record player and we um listen to vinyl and um we listen to a lot of you know the music he loves and it would always make me think of him yeah, there was another thing I was going to say. I don't know if you get this, and I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but for the longest time, I would either something big would happen in my life or I'd see something I um, would think of him or I'd get a funny meme or a funny joke, something like that, and I'd get my phone and go to text him and then realise I couldn't. Did you yeah. ever get that? I my granddad wasn't very savvy with um social media or anything like that or having a phone so I would I would yeah. do that but I I know people who still text that like who do text them just to like yeah just to feel better and like feel like they've sent the message to their loved one yeah wherever they are you know I think it's that's so quite a nice strange. idea mm. but it see his phone went missing in the hospital so we ne- we never really know what happened with that um but it was so weird. It's only been really recently that I've stopped. I'll I'll do it. Like my um, you know, I got I got engaged in lockdown, mm-hmm. and I my immediate was like I grabbed my phone and I went to like ring him and I realised I couldn't, and that was actually really heartbreaking. But um, it's it's always stuff like that. It's if I get a new job, um, you know, when I got engaged, uh, if. I see something amazing and think, oh, God, he'd love that. Or, yeah. yeah, I do it a lot now. But instead of doing that now, I tend to say say to my partner or whoever whoever I'm with, oh, I wish I could have taken... We went and did this VR thing where you, you do... Um, oh, I don't know, my fiancé loved it. It's not really my bag, but it was, you know, it was like shooting zombies and you felt, yeah, it felt yeah. really real. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it was amazing because you were... It just looked so real. And I was like, wow, isn't technology incredible? And my dad was a big gamer. And 
yeah, it's now things like that. I'm just like, God, my dad would have absolutely loved Love that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's little things like that, that that I definitely will insert him into my life wherever I can and just be like, oh, it wouldn't have been lovely to take him to do that. But also I can just, I, I know how much he would have enjoyed it and I know what his reaction would have been to certain things. So mm-hmm. I can kind of imagine it, which is quite nice but yeah the the texting thing or the wanting to ring them thing I I do wonder if anyone relates to that because Mm -hmm. that for a long long time was such a big thing it's so odd not to be able to do that not to be Mm -hmm. able to just speak to them whenever you want to it's really even though I would text him and the only response I would get was K which is the most cutting (laughs) response but he'd always do it K Thanks, my dad, dad does that to me he's like okay yeah. and I'm like okay right. I've well. just sent you a massive lovely message for father's day or something okay brilliant thanks dad God. oh that's so funny I I awesome. get a lot um with my granddad now obviously he's only passed I don't know it's, I mean it's May now and that was December um Oh, wow. Really not long ago I think then. it's brought up a lot, like, when I do, like, daily things. Because my grandparents literally live, like, two minutes around the corner. So I'd see them just as much as my parents sort of thing. And, um... Yeah. My, it's, I think the most heartbreaking thing for me is seeing my nan being alone. Because they've been together since they were oh. 15. So they, they were together for, like, <gasps> 70-something years. Like, it's absolutely crazy. Um, wow. So it like makes me feel sick because I can't even imagine like if I'm feeling like how I do, I can't imagine how she's feeling. She's literally lost someone that she's been with more than anyone she's ever been with in her life. So it it really just yeah. t- tears on my heartstrings, and I'm such an empath anyway. So I feel like everyone's emotions. Like I'll I'll oh, cry in every one of these grief diaries. I'm sure. Um, oh bless you. So yeah, I think because I saw them so often like my granddad taught me how to write like he his handwriting was stunning like I I have loads of his cards that he wrote me over the years because I'd keep them because I was like oh I love his handwriting (laughs) um and like when I play I'm a massive like board game lover and things like that so if I'm playing like card games or something he used to teach me loads of them so all of the ones I know he taught me so when I play cards I'm like oh that reminds me of granddad or um yeah and then now I'm an adult, like he'd, he taught me how to like taste wine because he had a wine tasting job. Like he worked in a wine firm for ages and he like traveled around Europe. So he like used to teach oh, me stuff amazing. like that. So every time I go out and have a wine now, I'm like, oh, it reminds me of my granddad because he told me how to like taste it properly and like swirl it around in my mouth and like warm it under my tongue and all these little like things. So I like that Aww. I've got those sort of like really strong memories of things that I do and my weekly life that remind me of him which is nice and I think you'll find you'll you'll find even more of those as you mm-hmm. as you know because it's not it's not been that long for you and yeah I think mm-hmm. there'll be those things and then there'll be more and more and more little memories and things that you'll you'll remember and you'll you'll come up with and there'll be such comforting lovely things and it's so it's so nice that he was such a big and influential part of your life and part of those mm-hmm. you know lovely things that he's taught you and I love the the bit the the thing about the games as well because I, I can relate to that that's mm-hmm. lovely playing card games and all of that there's such special things that you you tend to get from family particularly on yeah mm-hmm. I feel like dads and granddads and 
and then people yeah. like that that yeah love playing their cards and their games and and things like that because yeah that's a lot of didn't have all the tv like we had <laughs> um mm-hmm. but they're yeah. such lovely lovely memories i like the wine one as well that's that's so lovely oh mm-hmm. nice. bless him yeah i try I'm trying to hold on to those because I think it's so easy to get again fall into that trap of thinking oh I wish I just spent more time there even though like I physically couldn't have because I had my my uni to work to like work on yeah. or I had things on and you can't always be around someone 24 7 but you do think that sort of thing like oh I wish I was there for the, their last few months yeah. or you know it's a difficult but we, one. you never know what's going to happen in life and you you can't You've definitely got to hold on to those lovely, lovely moments and those those wonderful memories. And I just think they do. They stick with you forever. And, you know, whether it's a few months down the line or, you know, 10 years down the line, they... I think I think as well we worry that we're going to forget yeah. them and forget about them and all the memories won't be as strong. I can certainly say that none of the memories yeah. are going away. They're not going anywhere they're stronger than ever and you know if you had such a a bond with somebody and you've known them your whole life they're not going to go away they're not going to go anywhere those memories they're special and you should definitely contemplate him at least once a day and and definitely do the same I'm sure you see things Mm -hmm. and think of him yeah for sure yeah yeah um so before we finish the podcast is there something you'd say to someone out there I know we've spoken we can maybe summarize even if we've mentioned them before um if someone's experiencing grief for the first time and they're like listening to this to try and help navigate their journey or they're feeling a bit lost is there anything that you'd suggest they do yeah um so like I said it's been it's been 10 years since my dad passed away um and it can still definitely hurt at times um but honestly, I know it's so cliche. I know it is, but time is the best healer. If we'd have done this mm-hmm. podcast, probably, I don't know, seven years ago, I wouldn't have been able to get through it. I would have been crying mm-hmm. every five minutes. But yep. now it's an absolute joy just to talk about him, and the feelings of that you are never going to feel happy again, and that everything is awful and you've never felt more sad in your life and nothing's going to feel good again and you're anxious and you know in in some cases people have PTSD or or whatever because you you know you've had to go through this immense life-changing agony it is agony Mm -hmm. it does get better it really really does and I I hate saying it like but it's so true it's it's definitely the only thing it's it's not the only thing but it's it's definitely a big thing that I held on to was knowing that it it will get better and and in the end honestly you you just feel happy that they lived that you got to spend time with them that you had a life with them and you were lucky enough to know them because yeah and it's unfortunate but everybody dies and the fact that they've died means they got to live and you got to mm-hmm. live with them. Um, yeah. Also, talk about them all the time, as much as you want. If people are getting bored with you, then sod them, it's fine. You you keep talking about yeah. your granddad and anyone else that you've lost. You keep their memory alive 
as much as you possibly can and um just try and hold on to those good memories don't don't read anything they write in their final moments or whatever that could be soul destroying mm-hmm. that's not a good idea um ask for help from whoever you can try not to too mm-hmm. heavily rely on other people because I, I think we really really want everybody to help us and rally around and I think people will to start with but ultimately they have their own lives to live and they have their own things that mm-hmm. are going on in their lives and we never actually know the full story of what is going on in other people's lives and I know I've felt put upon before not um by someone you know someone that's had a family member pass away but I've felt put upon before because I have people have been putting on me um Mm -hmm. and that's made me not want them to be in my life anymore um it's a shame but ultimately it it's what happens I think yeah definitely get some professional I feel bad saying that but I do think if you put upon some people too much, they just, some people can cope with it really well. Other people just cannot cope. And especially if they haven't been through it and they don't know what to do. It's like, I really wanted people to help me. And then some people didn't. And I think that's because they weren't really my friends, but other people, I think just really struggled with it. Yeah. Which I see now. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, Try and get some professional help and really, really hassle your GP. Hassle them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they should be there to help you. And sometimes they're not very helpful. Kind of force them to help you. Because if you need some therapy, especially and especially if, um, you know, if you can't afford to go private and things, it's very, very expensive. So don't think you have to shell out loads of money because there are loads of free um, places you can go to for advice and... And yeah, ultimately your GP should be able to help you and get you some therapy or some antidepressants and don't be afraid to take things like that. If they help you, then they help you. You don't have to take them forever, just until you're feeling like you can cope. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Is there anything else that you um, wanted to share from your notes potentially that we haven't covered? No, I think I've gone through it all. I hope. I think yeah, I might have rambled amazing. a little bit on some of the things. I'm probably talking absolute rubbish, so oh, just no. cut some of that out. <laughs> no, don't be silly. Like I, I don't really want to sound hurtful. I feel either. like you've shared I felt a lot like of... I was sounding a little bit hurtful there. No, there will there will be some people no, I think in your life was... that just can't. They can't help you. They don't have the capacity to do it. So no, I th- I think that's honest and real. Like that's that's something that happens in real life. I don't think it's brutal at all. I think yeah. it's just honesty. Um. So yeah, I really appreciate. And I will be leaving like free helplines or resources in the description of the podcast so people can go and access those if they need them right now. Um, Fabulous. Um, but yeah, is there anything you want to shout out? Any of your personal socials or small businesses or literally anything that you wanted to shout? Yeah, I can do if you want more of my very interesting life. I'm over at becky.fraser on Instagram and then I do vlogs and um mid plus size style stuff and body positivity as well over on youtube at becky fraser body positivity woo (laughs) Woo. yep go check go check becky out all of her links will be down below thank you so much for sharing your story and i'll see you next week for another grief diaries bye